All right, it's uh, again good to be with you uh, as we worship God and as we celebrate Father's Day and dig into the Word of God here. And we've had this whole theme of rest. And last week, uh, Pastor Dave was uh, preaching on this and he even showed that video, if you remember seeing that video of uh, Jay Hewitt, who's a fellow pastor uh, in our community who has, he's fighting brain cancer and he's going to do an Ironman triathlon, which is amazing because I know I'm training for this as well. And I'm in sort of like normal health, as normal as I can get. But for him, I was swimming with him last week and we were talking about this. He was saying how uh, the chemo that he goes under is actually kills his white blood cells. But what white blood cells do is they move the oxygen throughout your body. And so the state that he's in is like reverse of blood doping. Like what people would do, like cyclists would do to try and have their blood have more oxygen in it. He actually has the polar opposite of that, yet is still doing this and taking this challenge on, which is huge. I'm telling you, huge. And, um, but what was interesting is he was talking about how important rest and recovery is for him to be able to do the next training session, to be able to do that next challenge that he has, he has to really get that serious rest and recovery. And it's something I feel like I've learned even in this whole thing of endurance sports, of running and cycling and swimming, that you have to rest. You have to think of rest as an intentional thing you're doing, not just something that you kind of like think of as doing nothing. You have to really think of it on purpose to sleep right, to rest right, to make sure your legs are up for a certain amount of time in the day and all of that, because that is so important to be able to achieve the goals that you have. And so even I I think part of that is why and how we're focusing on rest in this season is I think it's so important for us to understand that as we've been called to bear fruit for the kingdom of God, we need to be able to rest to be able to bear fruit. And we need to be intentional about that rest to be able to, to bear fruit for God's kingdom. And we know that, but I think even more importantly, we need rest because rest is the way of God. Rest is something that God has ordained for us. It is in his top 10 list of the most important things that he has for our lives in that 10 commandments. And, and though that sense of thinking about rest in that way is antithetical to the modern way of American culture, that we are... Um, we are like just programmed to think about rest as something that is, you know, not what we should be doing. We think about rest as lazy. We think about rest as not doing something, not being productive. But what we need to start thinking about is how we can break that cycle, break that cycle in our lives of rest not being meaningful, rest not being anything, and, and break that whole sense of that expectation on ourselves and on one another when it comes to rest. Because we have this thing, like we like have guilt essentially that makes us keep working harder and not stop keep going, add another activity, add another event, add another thing to do instead of resting because we're trying to keep up with other people. And we need to begin to think of rest as actually doing something. So start to shift that in your head. Rest is doing something. Rest is not doing nothing. And so we're going to be then digging into today this verse 
this very famous verse of Psalm 46.10, which uh, in its most famous version, I believe, is this, uh, be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. And so, okay, we get that. I'm supposed to be still. So know you're God. All right. What does that mean? I love uh, our NASB version says this. Cease striving and know that I am God. Okay, so be still, cease striving is another way of saying that. I love looking at the message sometimes. Uh, and what it says here in the message is great. It says, step out of the traffic. So that's the part that he's saying for be still, cease striving, step out of the traffic, get out of the hustle, get out of the grind, and take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above politics, above everything. That God is above all of that. And so we fix our eyes on him. We take that long, loving look at God, and we recognize that we need to cease striving. That doesn't mean we don't do anything. We're called to bear fruit. We're called to do good works. But there's this sense in this that I want us to get. I want us to kind of begin to understand what is this striving that we're supposed to cease. And how can we do that? How does rest play into that? So that word that there, that Hebrew word for cease striving or be still or step out of the traffic, that's this Hebrew word rafa. Rafa actually means, I love like this like primary definition is to slacken, okay? To slacken, to sink, relax, sink down, let go, be quiet, let it drop. Like all of that is part of what Rafa means, to slacken. You think to slack off, to be a slacker. <laughs> that's kind of like, that's very negative, right? In our language, in our culture. And it's interesting that that is what God in some way here is saying that we need to maybe not think of slacking as negative or like some sort of lazy person culture. But at times we need to stop. We need to let it go. We need to let that drop and know that he is God. Know that God is God and know what his power includes. What's interesting is it's this Rafah, it's actually used of God several times in the Old Testament, but saying how God will not slack, God will not fail us, that God will always come through. And so I think it's one of these most important lessons in the Bible, and especially when we've been in this book of Hebrews, this lesson for us that God will do it. We trust in him, that God is in control. God is the one who will take care of things. So we trust him and we trust in whatever outcome he brings. Doesn't always mean that we trust him and we get what we want. Part of trust is trusting in the outcome that comes. It comes from God and not from us. So huge lessons for us. It's not just slack. It's not just cease. It's not just stop or be still, but it's be still and know. <coughs> Excuse me. Be still and know that he is God. All right. So there's this, uh, this commentary on the book of Psalms by a theologian named Derek Kidner, one of the greatest Old Testament theologians. And he wrote this in 1973 about Psalm 46. He wrote these words. It says, Until recently, man has had few thoughts to spare for the possibility of a world catastrophe. 
All right, so today we're thinking a lot about a world catastrophe, pandemics, and all that kind of stuff. Back in 1973, he wrote this. He wasn't thinking about our day in in 73. I think it was more about the nuclear age and the fear of nuclear war and thinking about that kind of catastrophe. So he says, hey, until now, we're not thinking about world catastrophes that much. But then he says this, but this psalm can face it unafraid. Because its opening phrase means exactly what it says. Our true security is in God, not in God plus anything else. So back in 73, he's writing this, that our true security, our safety is in God, not in God plus anything else. And so we recognize with this know that I am God part of the passage Well, we better look at then all of Psalm 46. Psalm 46, uh, where he talks about who he is before he says, be still and know that I am God. So hear these words from Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth should change and the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. So God takes a roaring chaotic sea and turns it into a life-giving river. Verse 6, the nations made an uproar, the kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come, behold the works of the Lord who's wrought desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. And so this God whose voice is spoken and the earth melts, that kind of power, that God, he says, is with us and is our stronghold, our refuge, our help in trouble. So we can trust in a God like that. So I was thinking about this this verse of cease striving and then thinking about the Sabbath because there's this connection, obviously, right, with the Sabbath and to cease striving. And I was reminded of this cool thing about the Sabbath this last week. It was actually in our life group, uh, our summer life group, all about Sabbath. And I was watching this cool video uh, by Brad Gray, and these videos are great. If you go to our life groups page on the website, you can just even watch these videos without being part of a life group. And they're super informative and thoughtful. I really recommend them. But he was asking, what's the first time that the Sabbath is mentioned in the Bible? Uh, this Sabbath day that we are to, to rest. And you might think it's the seventh day when God rested in the creation story. And that is the basis and foundation of the Sabbath. But the word Sabbath is not mentioned there. You might think it's in the Ten Commandments when he gives this command to keep the Sabbath holy. But it's actually mentioned a little bit before that. It's mentioned in Exodus 16. 
Exodus 16 is when the Israelites are wandering in the desert. And as they're wandering in the desert, uh, God provides for them. God gives them manna, this bread from heaven that just appears on the ground for them. God gives them quail that just appear for them to take easily. <clears throat> the, the desert doesn't have a lot of resources, so God is providing for them. But what happens is they're, they're taking more than they should take. They're taking more bread. They're taking more quail. And, and as they store it all up, uh, actually what happens is the next day, it becomes moldy and worms are in it. God says, no, no, trust in me. Only take what you need for that day. But then he says on Friday, the day before the Sabbath day, which is on Saturday, he says on Friday, take double, okay? Take twice as much and then you won't take any, don't gather any on the Sabbath day. And so in Exodus 16, 22, he says the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. And all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is a Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. This is the first part in the Bible where this shows up. Bake what you'll bake, boil what you'll boil, and all that's left over put aside to be kept till morning. So they put it aside until morning and as, as Moses had ordered. And it did not become foul, nor was there any worms in it. So Moses says, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you'll not find it in the field. So there's not going to be any in the field. Don't try to go gather it. But what happens is a bunch of them go try to gather it still and work. And God's like, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. You're not listening to me. I will provide for you, but I want you on this day, the Sabbath, to rest. And so even that word Sabbath, as we think of this day of rest, the verb form of that word Shabbat, so Shabbat is to cease, to rest. So it's a day of ceasing. It's a day of resting. And we remember that it's God that does the work, not ourselves. We remember that and we trust in God for that. And so that's what real rest is. That's what real rest is about. It's not about relaxing. It's not about just having a chill day. It's about having a sense of rest that allows us to remember that God is in control. That God is the one that we trust in, not ourselves, not our work. We don't have to like work harder to get more for ourselves because we're afraid that we won't have. And I think that's what happens. We think we don't have enough. We think we need to keep up with the Joneses. We think we need to store up more and more and more. And if I work harder and harder and harder and longer and longer and longer, then I'll be more productive. Then I'll be more meaningful. Then I'll have more success. And I'll think I'm a better person because of all of that. And that's kind of this stress building thing. But God says, no, 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 trust in me and trust in the outcome and, and be able to trust that what God's way, that God's way is best, even if that's not what we necessarily want. One thing that's interesting with the Sabbath day is something that we've just referred to as Holy Saturday. Holy Saturday is that day between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday there in Easter, where Holy Saturday is just when Jesus is in the tomb. And so as Jesus is in the tomb, um, that actually, that Holy Saturday is the Sabbath day. It's the Sabbath day and you've got the disciples are, they're hiding and they're waiting and they're scared and they don't know what to do. They don't know what's going to happen. They don't know what's coming next. They sort of feel like all is lost. And that day is this Sabbath day, this day of rest. And it's this day of waiting on God without knowing what's going to happen. And you think about 
the disciples could have thought that nothing was happening. That this is just a day of laziness, a day of nothing. But we have to believe that God is doing something in the midst of that time. God is about to work the most incredible, powerful miracle of all humanity, of the entire universe for all time, right there. And God's just gearing up for that. And in the midst of that stillness and that waiting and that ceasing, it's gearing up for this most incredible thing that will happen ever. And so how do you rest in God when the outcome is uncertain, when you don't know what's going to happen. I think this is us. We don't know what's coming next. We're out of control, but God is going to do a work. God has a resurrection Sunday waiting for you because we want to predict. We want to blame. We want to hold our control in of ourselves. But God says, rest, cease striving. So when you think of Psalm 46, see striving and know that I am God. I hope that this understanding of Sabbath, this understanding of Holy Saturday can help you to understand God's intent with this passage. It's not just sit still and stop doing stuff. It's trust. It's trust that God has an incredible work that he is doing in you and for you and for all. Um, now, also with this, I think there's one other thing I want us to, <coughs> excuse me, briefly understand about cease striving or to be still. And it's Jesus's rebuke of the storm in Mark 4. I'm not going to read this whole passage, but it's this story where Jesus is crossing the, the lake, the Sea of Galilee, from one side to another with his disciples in this boat. And he's going to go and he's going to do battle against these demons you're going to see in Mark 5. And on that way, a storm comes, strong winds, big waves crashing against the boat, and they're afraid and in fear. And then Jesus stands up in the middle of that storm. And he just says, hush, be still. Another translation says, peace, be still. It's those same words of be still and know that I am God, right? He's, but it's a little different. It's a little different in tone. Because I believe that this storm that's coming is actually, as Jesus is going to go fight demons, I think this is like demonic forces trying to oppose Jesus from getting across this lake. And Jesus stands up in that boat and says, be still. And it's not a nice little encouragement of be still and know that I'm God. This is a command. This is a rebuke against that, against that storm. And he speaks that. And I believe that in some way, this rebuke is also against the storm of our culture. The storm of our way of life. That Jesus rebukes our way of just more activity, our way of busyness, our way of a hurried life, our way of filling our life with more and more and more. And within all of that is the hate, the conflict, the division, and the, the need for more and more. And he's rebuking that sense of more in our lives and saying, be still. Hear it as a command from Jesus, not just a nice encouragement, a command. Be still and know that I am God. I will fight this storm. I will fight these battles in your life. Trust in me. And so I think of on Father's Day, to you dads out there, I think let us as dads be the example of a life of less activity, 
of less activity that still can make a big impact. We tend to equate activity with bearing fruit or busyness with productivity. But I think that's a lie. And so we make ourselves more and more busy and busy and busy and doing more and more and more. But all we're doing is just activity. And so let's be an example of a life of less that follows Sabbath, that enjoys family without this need to perform to please one another with our sports achievements, our academic achievements, our clubs, our organizations, another soccer tournament on a Sunday, another class to fill your load so full you have no space, another tutoring session, another volunteer opportunity, another uh, chance to go and serve somewhere, another TV show to binge, another way to fit multiple events into one evening. We have to stop. And so dads, can we be the example to say, it's okay to stop. Let's pick a couple things to focus on and do them well. And that's how we can bear fruit. That's how we can make an impact in a bigger way without just busyness and hurried lives. And so I want for us as a church, we need to help model that for all of you, for ourselves. And so I want for us to make some commitments to rest, that we would reduce our program expectations, that we would increase our focus on small groups and discipleship interactions with people just meeting together. And it doesn't need to all be about events, to increase our focus on prayer and spiritual direction, to help create a path to increase time with God, sort of like a couch to 5K program for a non-anxious presence with the Lord. Like, what can that look like for us? Just regular prayer gatherings online and on campus and ensuring that our staff is living this as a model and not just filling our lives with more and more activity. Because I do, I, I believe the coronavirus has been a terrible, terrible thing. Don't, don't get me wrong with this, but there's been a gift in the midst of it. And it has been this gift in the quarantine of the slowdown of our pace, of the slowdown of our lives, of even just being still in our homes, of, for, fam, for people and families of just being together in that way, in this different way. And so what I want to encourage us with is, we're seeing the world kind of slowly transitioning to becoming more open and kind of more, some pace of regular life is coming back. But let's not fill every moment with activity. Let's be still and learn some lessons from this time that are important for us. And to even hear from your pastor, like, you have permission. This is the way of God to rest and be still. The better way is not to fill every moment. The better way is to be still. I was, um, I was on our uh, retreat with our staff. I talked about this a few weeks ago, even last fall, on this retreat in Malibu Canyon. And I was sitting up on, a, on the hill and praying, and I was journaling. And in my journal, I was actually journaling about uh, Psalm 46.10 and this whole thing of be still and know that I'm God. And I just put this in my journal in two columns. <clears throat> and these two columns I wrote then, I wrote cease striving and just be with me. And then I wrote reduce busyness, more rest. So kind of just like be still. The way to be still is to reduce the busyness. The way to know that he is God is to rest in him. Then um, I wrote, stop rushing. Just always rushing from thing to thing and allow more time for prayer, more time for listening 
to the Lord. And then I just wrote, less stress, more peace. Is that what you long for? There's less stress in this life to have peace in God. Less earning God's favor and more power of the Holy Spirit. All this stuff that we do, I think we're trying to earn God's pleasure with us. But God is pleased in you. God loves you. God wants you to act out of the power of the Holy Spirit, not out of your busyness. I wrote to you like to be still can also be to have just less screen time and more reading, uh, more listening to music, just kind of being still in this world, enjoying nature, less screens. I even just recently decided I just... I deleted from my phone all news apps. I deleted Twitter. I deleted Facebook. I want to reduce like things I follow on Instagram to just some family and close friends. Just like so much screen time. I feel like had my, I did not have a non-anxious presence. I was having a very anxious presence, I think, because of that. And just wanting to reduce that. I can see that at certain times. I want to be aware of what's going on in the world. But less screen time, more reading, more music, more nature, that kind of thing. Less focus on self, more humility, less events, more family and friends. Less doing, more being Less false self-imposing to try to put up a front of who I think I am. Of, like that's some of our activity is this false self-posing stuff. But know that I am God. I can be vulnerable when I know that he is God. I can be vulnerable with him and I can be vulnerable with the people in my life and honest with them because I know who God is in my life. So I want to encourage you in all of this like to consider that. That kind of way of thinking of be still and know that I am God. More just a sense of being with him. You don't need to always be doing something. Stop and rest is doing something. So some ways that we can respond to this today. All right. One is just to take, uh, take just, you know, take a look into your life and examine your life and your schedule and begin to eliminate everything that causes you to hurry, to rush, that causes you that sort of stress in your life as much as you can. I know there's a lot. Like, we, don't, we don't, can't all just like quit our jobs and go sit and be monks. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But we have filled our life with a lot that maybe we don't need to. So examine that and why you're doing that, why you're filling each moment in that way. And I encourage you then in the midst of this to be still, to find a moment this week to practice this. To practice even just for 30 minutes to be still before the Lord and to allow your, your mind to be able to rest. And then uh, a couple great resources that you can check out, uh, a couple books you can read, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer and a book called An Unhurried Life by Alan Fadling. Uh, and so I encourage you to check one of those out uh, and just be able to learn more about how can you get this sense of hurry out of your life and allow your life to be filled with a real sense of God's rest. I want that for you. I want to be growing that for me, but we have to pursue it. We have to be intentional about it, about it. And we have to give ourselves permission that God is giving you actually not just permission, but command and rebuke to be still. Be still, cease striving and know that he is God and you're not and trust in him. Let's pray together as we continue to worship. Almighty God, we come before you and ask for your Holy Spirit to do a mighty work in our hearts and minds in this. 
God, it is ingrained in us through our culture that we are supposed to do more and more and more. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would break any part of that that is a demonic stronghold in our lives. That you would give us a sense of freedom and permission to rest in you and to find that intimacy in you. And then to find those spots where we can bear fruit for your kingdom, that we can do a mighty work for you, God. But Lord, I pray it comes out of that power of the Holy Spirit. It comes out of closeness with you. It comes out of a full cup. Help us to rest and know that you are God and that you will be exalted in the nations, that you will be exalted in the earth. And so we exalt you now in song. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.